your transistors and deploy your dials to Two Girls, One Podcast. The show that's just like drive time talk radio, but with fewer screaming white guys. And now here are your hosts who sell their special wares on Etsy and OnlyFans, Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. I am Lindsay. And I'm Allie. And here on the show, we like to talk about cool, odd internet communities. That's right. If you're listening to this, you're probably a little weird, and that's why we like you. Mm -hmm. Today, we're looking at something everyone knows and loves. Like, do you have throw pillows with annoying phrases like live, laugh, love on them. Ooh, that's my mom. Do you have uh, wine glasses that say, sip me, baby, one more time? (laughs) Have you purchased unique wall hangings of the different Star Trek ships for your friend's birthday? I did do that. (laughs) If so, you've probably visited Etsy. (laughs) But don't worry. We're not just looking at Etsy because that would be weird. You guys know what Etsy is, but Etsy is starting. The sellers are starting to organize. Yeah, friends, these cool and unique creators need protections too. And that is what we are going to be talking about. All right, Etsy, where you can get weird phrases on anything. A shirt, a cup, your own glasses. A bookmark. Wait, can you set, can you send in your own glasses and get them? No, you'd have to get new glasses. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking glasses, like for drinking. Cut this oh! out. <laughs> no, don't cut it out. This is Allie being a dumb dumb. You can get them on your glasses, Lindsay. But that actually would be cool you to see? get things engraved on your own glasses. Well, just so people know, Lindsay has a lot of weird, fun glasses. So I was like, I do. Oh, you can get them engraved. Like, that's cool. Like, maybe I could get that for Lindsay. You know what I mean? And I'm like, how would that work? Like, I'm a, I, I have undiagnosed ADHD and my brain went 30 places in those two seconds but yeah also wine glasses yeah yeah your own wine glasses also matt's here hi matt oh hey <laughs> does anyone have a favorite thing they've ordered off etsy yes oh what's your favorite thing matt i've, I've recently become obsessed with um 3d printing stuff on etsy because like I, I don't that adds up i don't want to do 3d printing i'm i'm not a designer and i don't want to have the stuff in my house but if i need i want to put my old nintendo on a shelf and display with the controller but hide the wires someone designed a very specific yes little display thing that you just put and it looks awesome and it's like a ten dollar piece of plastic but it's precisely printed by an artist for this purpose yes please i am i am is 3d printing only printing pl- pl- like do you only pl- print plastic right now can yeah. also print plastic is one of those like how much wood could wood chuck chuck i think there are industrial things going on like this house is 3d printed and that is made of steel and wood and whatever else but i think consumer at home is plastic but there are, you know i'm not an expert but there are different types of plastic that's terrible for the environment there are different types of plastic though maybe is there a good plastic uh 
I mean, mm-hmm. let's let's put the caveat: single-use plastic that you throw away, super bad. Uh, plastic that stays in your home forever and is use is used, uh, very useful. I, I would say. True. I'll say better than single-use. Mm-hmm. We're all fucked. <laughs> What's your favorite Etsy purchase, Allie? Well, you know what? I have to say, I really I do appreciate Etsy. Um, like, I kind of do make fun of it as the place where you can get all these like cliche phrases, but actually love it. I've had a lot of friends send me like birthday gifts through it. And it's actually really lovely, right? Like someone hand packages it. There's a little, you know, it's tied. There's a note. It's, it's beautiful. I've gotten like for my last birthday, my friend sent me this package that had like a travel mug and a candle. I mean, you know, they're sort of like silly cliche things, but it was like, really, I've gotten that a few times. It's very lovely. So thanks Etsy. Yeah. I go through little phases too of Etsy also. Cause it's like, I think better for the world than Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Right. That's my yeah. goal too. Well, cause it's not like a Chinese factory creating 10 billion of the same item that you mm-hmm. then buy. It's, right. it's an, ind- it's a person who is running a side business or a full-time business like that. It's, it's a small business engine. That's the dream. Clearly it's not working as well as we had hoped, which is what we're going to talk about today. We'll see. Mm-hmm. When I was in the deep Space Nine rewatch phase, I (laughs) fell into a deep hole of cool Star Trek things. And for our friend Ben's birthday, I got him a drawn reproduction of a Klingon spaceship, Deep Space Nine, and there's a small ship called the Defiant that they flew out from Deep Space Nine. I got him three small like hand-drawn reproductions of those mm-hmm. those three yeah. things and that was Fandom. cool i love that yeah. by the way i don't know why but etsy oh because i was i was i got uh, the, the mouse pad the desk pad that i'm sitting at right now is from etsy it's like felt and cork but the 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 algorithm was recommending me a desk mat like a mouse pad thing but it was in the style of the star trek computer interface you know when you're looking at next generation Mm. you see a computer Mm -hmm. it's got all these colors and it's got these grids and it was exactly that but on a mouse pad and i put it in our discord i'm like should i buy this for Lindsay? and everyone was like yes Uh, yes i mean the things that got recommended to me after that were amazing and i definitely bought some of them they were like exactly pint glasses from quark's bar and yeah i did buy kira guevara a sticker for my water bottle it's like Mm -hmm. lieutenant Commander Kira looking in the style of Che Guevara, <laughs> those Che Guevara <laughs> shirts and things that everybody used to have in college. Mm-hmm. Etsy is for the merch you wish your favorite show or franchise would put out, but they don't because there's not a big enough market for it or whatever. So now you can get the the Etsy cup. I have some Star Trek thoughts I would like to share. Oh my God, go for it. Okay. I'm doing a new hour of stand-up October 7th for anyone in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was doing some research. I, I find people who call themselves empaths to be um, very <laughs> annoying. And so <laughs> I did some research into it and it turns out empath really doesn't have any scientific basis if you call yourself oh. an empath. Oh, you think? I know, yeah. I know what you're about to say, and it's amazing. <laughs> it actually got popularized in Star Trek Season 3, Episode 12, is called The Empath. So, Original series? Original 60s, series. Original series. There's an episode called The Empath. So this is a term literally created to describe an alien species that everyone at Burning Man calls themselves an empath. (laughs) And then in Next Generation, Deanna Troy is like an evolution of this sort of style of alien where she Mm -hmm. is the ship's counselor 
and she is also an empath. But the the character from the original series was much more it was much more sinister and sad <laughs> because well anyway, it doesn't matter. You should look it up. It is a very interesting thing that Star Trek did and it's weird that people would like to call themselves that. Yeah, I don't know, Matt, if it's happening in your circles, but in LA and San Francisco a lot, people are like, I'm an empath. Like I can feel what other people are feeling. And I'm like, that's I mean, just that's being just a human. Human, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're just yeah. So I looked it up because I was like, is there any scientific basis for this? Like, is this a thing? Are a certain percentage of people empaths? And like basically everything I found was like, this is from Star Trek. No, it's bullshit. But like you could say, oh, person A has a higher emotional EQ than person B. Maybe they're a little yes. bit more plugged into feelings. Great. Yes. We that's but sure. You're not we know an that. Empath. You don't have psychic powers. Yeah, it's much more appropriate to say that they are highly sensitive personality types, mm -hmm. right? So, here's what I'm thinking, right? If you always have room for dessert, tell your empath friend you're a Klingon. What do you think? Is that? I don't, do, I don't get it. Wait, do Klingons Damn. eat a lot of dessert? Oh, sorry. I forgot. I I ruined the setup. <laughs> okay, start over. Wait, okay. We'll erase our memories. Go. Okay. Klingons have two stomachs. There so we if go. You always have room for dessert. Tell your empath friend you're a Klingon. <laughs> I love Does that. Does that work? Is that not? I don't know. I don't know. Ship uh -huh, may damn. have sailed for us. We, we missed I it. I mean, damn it. Because I fucked you know up my setup. <laughs> Either the joke is not good and or setups are crucial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But they drink a lot. Klingons drink a lot. Okay. Yeah. Klingons are like a weird version of like what people think Vikings and Scottish people in the 1200s were like, but they made them black-ish. <laughs> My other question is, okay, if you're super logical and you have trouble with emotions, like Spock, are you a Vulcan? Vulcanism could just be a different way to say On the autistic. Spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds way cooler. <laughs> yeah. This Welcome is making me... to Two Girls One Podcast where Allie tries out joke premises and they fail. This is <laughs> but this is valuable to you. Use the space. Also, this is now a Star Trek podcast and it's I'm a Star here Trek for podcast. It. All these psychological profiles of real humans like um exaggerated into alien species for sci-fi. Like that's, that's an interesting uh, thing to unpack right there. Yeah. They just make them one dimensional people. Yeah, Right. Exactly. Right. And then people end up then taking their identity from the sci-fi. But I, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, because I, I, if they were actually aliens, I think they're going to be something, they could be something we can't even imagine. Yeah. That's well, the thing. I, I love so. sci-fi as much as the next guy, but, um. What was it? Um, the fuck. What was the one with Amy Adams? Arrival. I know. And they looked like spiders, jellyfish. It's amazing. The Arrival is the best, the best representation of like how humans and aliens could interact because it would be very difficult for mm -hmm. that to happen if it were, if contact was made. And I, I just, I love that movie. Yeah. And it would have to be a benevolent or an evil alien species, because if it was a species just a little bit better than us, they would be like, ew, no, and avoid us. Because right. like if they're close, they probably have their own problems. They're like, wow, they're kind of primitive and we don't need to like get involved with that. Oh, 
I think aliens have definitely, they know about Earth, they know about us, they've studied us, and they have no interest in making contact. We are the rats and the roaches of intelligent life. Yeah, I mean, but that Star Trek had the prime directive of like, hey, we know know you're out there, and we are so civilized or mature as a society. Isn't it no contact until interstellar? That's one of the Star Trek principles. Yeah, so good. I think that's a smart idea. the, The prime directive is to not interfere, right? Do, do no harm, basically, right? They're very bad at it. Like, uh, sure. Star Trek, that's stay fair. be fucking up the Prime Directive. I mean, that's a good premise for a show of, like, we want to be good, but we fuck it up and because we're dumb humans and whatever. That I get it. I like Because we're so, so, so bad at it. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> we started with Etsy and ended with Aliens. I feel good about this. That's um, say, uh, I think we should get back into Etsy, though. Let's I think probably. Uh, get back to the I Prime Directive. I looked in my purchase history, and I've bought a lot of um, personalized <laughs> cutting boards for people. Whenever someone moves into their own home, I send them a personalized cutting board. With Excellent. my name. Just kidding. No. <laughs> I bought a T-shirt that has Lauren's Hill, Lauren Hill's face on it. Nice, which I really love. <laughs> Beautiful. I wanted one with Fred Hampton, but yo, listen, Etsy, y'all need to up the Fred Hampton shirts. There's not a lot of them, and Fred Hampton is the bomb. dot com, and every college student should be wearing a Fred Hampton T-shirt and not a Che Guevara T-shirt. Just listen to me. I'm right. Well, okay. Glad we it. settled that uh, age-old <laughs> debate. Uh, uh, I think it's time for hopefully some Etsy trivia. Oh yeah, Etsy trivia. Did you know that Etsy was founded in 2005? Whoa! The same year as YouTube. Whoa! Actually, no, I didn't know it was that old. And the <laughs> same year old, as my man. adult life. Right. Exactly right. Tech startups and whatever they take some time to grow a marketplace. But Etsy really hit the ground running. It blew up very quickly as an alternative marketplace. You know, eBay was around for much longer and Craigslist, of course. And this was like, no, this is for handmade, artisan, vintage. It's a special place. And like any online market, it became notable for some questionable goods on the platform. So in 2009, actor and VO artist April Winchell launched the blog Regretsy. Do you all remember Regretsy? Oh, I remember Regretsy and Regretsy was incredible. And Jen and I performed some Regretsy in Bloodlugs and we're in touch with April Winchell. I love it. Love it. I Mm -hmm. I think now you're triggering my memory of of your your shows. Uh, For those who may not remember, Regretsy featured screenshots of bizarre, heinous, and truly what the fuck arts and crafts listed for sale <laughs> on Etsy. The blog then- Oh my uh, God, it was so genius. It was so, so genius, funny. Uh, became an instant viral sensation and maintaining it became a 16 hour a day job for Winchell, which she uh, talked about Wait, in an interview with Wired. Like she was, she had a, her whole life and job and this little side project became all consuming. <sighs> uh, Random House won a bidding war for the book publishing rights and the site even raised $200,000 for children's charities before you Winchell know, just said- sorry. I had enough. Interrupts, no, but I like interrupting men. Um, it's my favorite <laughs> pastime, which is that I feel like actually, yeah, Etsy at the beginning was made fun of more. It was like weird shit. And yeah, then totally. it like got more legit. And I guess they yeah. got more artisans on it. Please continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. Uh, <laughs> Winchell called it quits in 2013 because, wow, it was just so much for her, it sounds like. 
Anyway, so that memory walk down memory lane uh, brings us to three items from the Regretsy archives. The site is sadly not online anymore, but lots of other blogs and media sites were like, check out this crazy shit. So I found three items from Regretsy that were posted. Uh, two of these are real items that were for sale on Etsy in its heyday. One of them I made up. Oh, this is good. Ooh. You are looking for the fake Etsy listing. Okay. Are you prepared? All right, let's hear Matt's weird brain. Is it A, a roll of crocheted toilet paper uh, <laughs> listed as, quote, fun gift for $15? That's all the listing says. Uh, I am looking at the Wait. image here. I'm going to explain this to you. Basically, Great. it's a, it's a <laughs> small crocheted blanket, but in the form of a roll of toilet paper that is hanging on a bathroom wall. So you go to use the bathroom and instead of toilet paper, it's, it's like disgusting. Cloth. And I, I'm going to presume this is either a gag gift or reusable? a prank or it's maybe it's reusable. I, I don't know, but that it's is choice. It's gotta a. be a trap. It's terrifying yeah. already. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's A, or is it B, and this is the name of the product, Harry Espresso Coffee Cup, $50. Quote, this is a real coffee cup made by hand with white glaze ceramics by artist Colleen Karate with real artist's hair, not machine washable. Basically, it's a it's a coffee cup with hair, that's I real. assume, glued onto it. Colleen, and you no have done this. You yeah. did do this, Colleen. You did do mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. That is choice B. Or is it choice C? iPhone 3GS case slash cloth menstrual pad, $25. <laughs> the quote, this stylish case for iPhone 3GS is 100% handmade. It can be removed in times of need to become a menstrual pad. The pad is backed in water-resistant fleece. It closes with coordinating straps applied with a professional snap press <laughs> exclamation point which of these is the fake etsy product i feel like the toilet paper's gotta be fake i okay. mean i think so too but i'm gonna hope that we have had such a strong influence on matt that he made up a fucking <laughs> ipad iphone pad <laughs> situation <laughs> Phone pad. It's this great. This would have maybe this predates the iPad, so uh, they're very precious. It absolutely does. It predates the <laughs> iPhone, though. Is the thing. Oh, oh. Okay. Was it from two thousand and five? I do not have the date, but this is this would obviously be post two thousand five if it was on Etsy to begin with. Uh, although, hey, wait a minute. Regretsy was started in two thousand nine, so we are okay, we are so say, post talking iPhone. about post it's post two thousand nine. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm gonna be proud of you, Matt. If if it was number three. Okay. Lindsay goes with C, the iPhone case slash menstrual pad. Allie, are you going to go with the with the crocheted toilet paper? Sticking with it. All right. She's sticking with it. We will find out which one is the fake regretsy listing after this commercial break. It sounds shitty, but I like it. Yeah. All right, friends, we would love to thank all of the beautiful people who have donated to our Patreon at the $10 or more level. Thank you to Wesley Cordell, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips, Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, William, Jessica Kybell, Ken M, and Kelsey Murray. All of you are super fantastic. And if you call in right now, we will throw in a smile with your purchase. 
<laughs> I don't know. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. No, I'm just Thank you to all of you who already donate. And if you would like to hear us say your name in a very fun way while smiling, please consider donating at the $10 or more to our Patreon at patreon.com slash 2G1P. And now a real advertisement entitled Free Sexy Romantic Firewood with nine exclamation points from the online marketplace known for the hardest wood on the internet, Craigslist.org. I have lots of free scrap wood available. This is mostly wood that breaks off of wooden pallets. This would be great for bonfires and campfires. Guaranteed to get you laid. This sexy wood will set the romantic atmosphere that your woman has desired for years. Rekindle the flame of love. Also would be great to take the wood and make new pallets and sell them. We are located off of Fulton Industrial Boulevard near Six Flags. Thanks, Casey. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wood is always sexy, so. It's true. I've, I've never really thought of pallet wood in that way, and now I will. <laughs> Every time you see a pallet, you're going to be like, Ooh. Listen, as a single lady, get your wood where you can. You know what I mean? <laughs> Preach. Uh, what? Never, never let good wood go to waste. That's the, that's the, t- that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> okay, Matt, I have to know. Speaking of good wood, uh, you can you can make a lot of stuff on Etsy, including things featured on the crazy popular blog Regretsy. Truly a gem uh, of our time and no longer with us. But mm-hmm. I gave you three. Uh, real uh, Etsy listings featured on Regretsy. Two of them were real, one of them made up. Was it A, a roll of crocheted toilet paper? Allie chose that one. No, there's no possible way that could be a real thing. <laughs> B, Harry Espresso coffee cup for $50, which is, seems to just be a coffee mug with real hair glued onto it. Or was it C, the iPhone 3GS case, which doubles as a cloth reusable i presume menstrual pad for 25 dollars. Lindsay, you went with that one uh everyone's gonna stay put i assume yeah. yeah the correct answer is the fake etsy listing is see the iphone hey. case <laughs> Lindsay gets it right oh Matt, God, you're Lindsay. gross <laughs> but Lindsay, i like that you plugged it as like we've we've rubbed off on him i like that but yeah. tell me how the fuck is the crochet toilet paper real? I mean, it's got to be a, a <laughs> gag gift or something. Because people crocheted right? a lot of stuff. Like people were into crocheting. Everyone was crocheting for a long time. But that's not toilet paper. It's a tiny, it's a scarf. It's a scarf. Yeah, yeah it, it's a scarf. It, it's, a, it's a tiny scarf. Wait, I'm going to link it to you so you can see it. I don't even it. know if it needs Hold to be on. tiny. It's a full scarf. You roll it okay. up. Yeah. Or is this like an environmental thing? Like what's happening here? No, it's here? a trick. It, it, it's just... To play off the fact that everybody was crocheting everything. They were like, here, here's something that we can also crochet. I mean, it's also just like they did so many wild things. We did a post in blogologs way back in the day, and it was like someone was selling f- selling lined paper. It was like, this is just paper. Like, what is <laughs> That's happening here? paper. You know what but that the is? the regretsy paper. post about it was really good, and I did it as a Girl Scout. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> 
with like a Tourette's anger management problem. But also listeners who are listening to this episode right now, I am currently in London as you listen to this. Hit me up on the Discord if you want to meet in public. Wait, you're the guy who... Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, he's in London. We should go on a date. Okay, okay. I will make you Matt to, resend me that and I will I will reach out and we will talk okay. about it on the podcast. Okay, yes. A listener who's in London, who did he propose to you or ask you out? What happened? Yeah. When when we were first trying to find husbands. So excited. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my Allie God. is hyperventilating with the excitement that this is bringing. Oh my God. Okay, wait, Amazing. wait. Here. Very serious boyfriend application for Lindsay. Oh my God. Amazing. Yes. yes. This is from Yasser in London. I love it. Yasser, I hope you still live in London. Paraphrasing. I'm a 27 year old Scottish guy working in data science in London. Prose, Scottish, uh, not white, cool and fashionable Hot. hobbies, uh, frequently baking cookies. Cons, oh you have to come to London. Well, oh <laughs> here solved. we go, baby. The time is now. Lindsay, I forwarded it to you. I forwarded it to you. I can't wait for this to happen and for you to report back to all of us. Yeah, sir. I will be emailing you. So um, you probably have already gotten the email by the time this comes out. Um, so very exciting for all of us. Woo-hoo. All right. If you would like to date anyone on this podcast except me, uh, 2G1podcast at gmail.com. I have actually met uh, two listeners in particular. I have. Not not as dates, but yeah. I, I didn't want to blow up their spot. But That's yeah, awesome. I did. I did. Love it was fun. That's so fun. fun. Yeah. Speaking of meeting people, it's time to meet <laughs> our guest. <laughs> Best segue ever. Welcome our guest, Christy Cassidy, the proprietor of the Aurelin Etsy shop and also the interim president for the Indie Sellers Guild. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. Could you tell our listeners what the Indie Sellers Guild is and what it was created to do? Oh my goodness. In short, we're basically a union for online indie sellers. We're working right now on trying to get the ability to collectively bargain with Etsy primarily, but we're welcome to sellers that sell on any platform or on their own website too. So so what happened? What, What's going down? Why'd you guys decide to do this? Well, it's been four years of a whole bunch of really crappy platform changes for people who make their own items or like the Wonderful. mostly really labor intensive um, stuff. It's just really sucked. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, so it's been one thing after another that's just been horrible for those of us who make really labor-intensive items, ever-increasing fees and just the changes that favor things that sell really quickly or are cheap. It's 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 been abs. It's really sucked. <laughs> oh. Okay. What's an example? What did they, what changes did they make? All right. So I would say the thing that has aggravated me personally the absolute most is off-site ads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, this advertising program that they force me to opt into that will take an extra 12% out of anything that sells through that. So I still have to pay all of my other Etsy fees plus another 12%. And I never know which order this is going to apply to. So I make my own items. Oh, it's so random orders that this is applied to? Random orders. Yeah. Completely oh, random. So yeah, if I'm trying to do like custom stuff for customers, I don't know how much to charge because I don't know how much I'm going to make. <laughs> That's crazy. That one's fucked up. We hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, the 
fee increases are just like this constant, you know, tra- every every few years expect a transaction to mm-hmm. increase. So it's like, how do you how do you run a sustainable business like yeah. that? Then the um, other thing there, there's like problems with like where people's shops will get put on hold. What do you mean put on hold? They get put on um, like a, a hold where Etsy is holding on to 75% of your money. And you still have to make and ship everything and pay all your Etsy fees on 25% of your money. And since Etsy fees for an offsite ad, something sold through the offsite ads program that I mentioned earlier, it will be like 22% in total. Wait, so the idea is if someone found your product offsite, yes. then they take hmm. it. But, but when you, but you as a seller, when the order comes in, you don't know they found it through this other avenue. And the product's still the same, yeah, but you don't know. There, there's like a cookie that's following people yeah, around yeah, wherever they go. Yeah. And, and when they take 75%, what's their reasoning for that? Now, so the 75%, that's a separate issue. That's the shop hold. And we don't know. It's just, it seems like it, it it's happens randomly to people. And it's like your your shop has been put on hold. They're, they're taking 75% of your money and they'll release it to you after like 45 days or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and so that's like something where you're like, when that happens to people, we, we need to be able to talk and figure out what's going on, you know, reach out to support. Why is my shop on hold? Have you noticed any trends for why it's on hold? Like anything that might've gone wrong or it just feels completely random? The people that report it, it seems to be completely random. So they're not like all selling dongs. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Got it. Okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's not happened to me. It's just, it's just terrifying. Yeah. The other issue that we that we were fighting for is um, there's this program called the Star Seller Program, which pretty much forces you to be on call twenty four seven, or you need to set up an auto reply every weekend, which turns people off. Like people go to, to Etsy to shop with a human. They don't, they don't like auto replies. And yeah, there was just a bunch of other stuff that was just like really much easier for someone who isn't making their items to do like mm-hmm. a requirement to always ship on time that that's obviously easier if you're not making things to order for people yeah you know it, it was just, it just really aggravated those of us who are doing you know handmade labor intensive stuff because it's like isn't that what etsy's supposed to be about <laughs> yeah isn't that their whole selling point what, what do you make um i make gothic victorian wedding dresses and steampunk <gasps> costumes Oh my god! I love what? it. What? Wow. I love it. Love that. <laughs> Amazing. What's the name of your shop? Plug it. Plug it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aralyn.com. So like, um, Ara, like A U R A, and then L Y N N E. Oh. And if you actually go there, you can see everything that I make now. I've been kind of pulling out of Etsy because it's just not sustainable. The steampunk stuff is this cosplay, or or is this just fashion, or all? It's like most of my clients are people who are going to like a really fancy event that they want to like really dress up for and then i get a lot of like alternative weddings and stuff like that too cool that's that cool. so fun i love I'm that i'm googling it right now i can't Me help too. myself i can't help myself i know we're recording <laughs> wait okay so oh these are great <laughs> <laughs> all right so tell us what happened when did etsy sellers because from my knowledge, you know, you're all just working on your own. When did you guys start to find each other and come together over this? How did you find each other? What happened? Mm-hmm. I wrote a post on Reddit. It was this last fee increase was announced in the most tone deaf way possible. It was like this email that pretty much said, hey, 
we did great last year. We made record profits. Isn't that wonderful? And by the way, we're increasing your fees. Uh... It was like horrible. And I knew there had to be a lot of people that were ticked off. And I went to Reddit. That There's like a whole team that proofs that email, that decision, like that had to be read by multiple people. And all of them were like, yep, the, send it yeah, off. That's like the <laughs> that's like Comcast slash airline level of tone deafness with uh, <laughs> yeah, PR. Yeah. Yep. Went to Reddit. And um, the title of my post was we need an Etsy sellers union. Hmm. Actually, Christy, can you read for our listeners the original post? And before you do that, can you tell us about the subreddit Etsy sellers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's um, you can find it at um, reddit.com slash r slash Etsy sellers. And it's pretty much the official Etsy seller subreddit. It's run by fans, as far as I know, versus actual Etsy people. But it's it's where people go mm. if they're having problems with selling on Etsy or have something happy to report or whatever. It's it's where people go to talk shop. Pretty so, much. so it's both sellers and people who buy things. Um, no, there's also a subreddit called r slash Etsy, which is both sellers and buyers. This is just oh, sellers. Okay. Where I posted was the just sellers one. Great. Yep. Okay, cool. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so my post was called, We Need an Etsy Sellers Union. I'll, I'll read it to you. I just saw yesterday's email. It came off smug to me. Did it come off smug to you too? I have been on Etsy since the beginning, when the fees were 3.5%. When there was no off-site ads program that I can't opt out of that makes my monthly fees incredibly unpredictable. When the platform was actually handmade and Etsy cracked down on resellers who were reselling. When does this end? Will they keep raising our fees? 8%? 10%? I wonder what would happen if on April 11th, so many sellers put their shops on vacation mode that Etsy starts shitting bricks. And then <laughs> they have no choice but to negotiate with us. What if we start holding them accountable for the changes they keep making, which are blatantly bad for our businesses? Originally, my post was that. On Reddit, you can edit a post. So when I discovered that there were people that were already planning a strike, I edited my post to say, we're currently discussing the April 11th strike idea in r slash Etsy strike. Come join us. Yeah. And so, yeah, the people who moderate r slash Etsy sellers were shutting down all of the posts in which people were complaining about the fee increase. And they were telling everybody to come to a mega thread. The mega thread, they were kind of controlling. And it was it was something where people weren't able to organize from that mega thread because it was started by somebody who was against like striking or doing any kind of collective action. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got lost. Maybe our listeners did too. Someone was taking down posts? Yeah, they were basically locking any new post complaining about the fee increase and telling everyone, go talk about it here in, mm. in this one post. It's called a mega thread. So like a, th okay. a post that has like everything redirected yeah. there. So for some reason, though, they didn't shut down my post. I, I had the only post that did not get shut down. Wait, I'm confused. Reddit was setting them down? Was shutting them down? The um, people who moderate the subreddit. Basically, they're volunteers. Mm. It's, I think the reason why they do this whenever stuff, they always do this whenever something big happens like that. And I think the reason is why is because it's just too much work to try to keep track of like, right. you know, 600 posts about the same thing. Oh, so it's like a different 
subreddit moderator issue in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I get it. It's common for, for a lot of subreddits of okay. like... Can we all direct this to one place? Exactly. Yes. If, if there's big yeah. news about politics, for example, we don't need 5,000 posts about Trump being, yes. you know, uh, under investigation. We go to the mega thread and it's a moderation system. It's a way to moderate. Got yes. it. Not no yep. bad intentions on its face, but perhaps there's other something else going on here, yeah. Christy. Yeah, more like just like consequences of it because the right. person who they chose to redirect to was someone who was not for the strike, who was against the strike. So because of that, you know, there wasn't any way to like organize from that one. But whenever I edited my post, we got a whole bunch of people to come to our new subreddit Etsy strike where we could talk freely about what we wanted to do and wouldn't get shut down. You know, I, mm-hmm. I would allow all the posts that anybody wanted about about um, <laughs> the fee increase. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So tell us what happens next. Yeah. So it was, we had about, I, th- I think it was a little over a hundred people in a subreddit at the beginning. And it was, it was horrible. It was so slow going because it, I would post and like five randomly selected people would see what I would post. And so like, I couldn't get help. It was just me for the longest time. And it was like, I don't if I can't find people to actually help. And that was the April 11th strike? So my post was on like the end of February. And then it was, the strike was planned for April 11th. And then it was like for until about mid-March was when I was just trying to figure out how to get it off the ground when we were still just a tiny subreddit. (laughs) And, And yeah, it was basically people found us that wanted to jump in and help. That was what made the big difference. It, whatever it got to the point where it wasn't me, just me anymore, then then it really started to take off. Yeah, that's exciting. It feels like there's we're in a, like a new moment of organizing where I remember you know studying unions and labor you know disputes when I was in high school and college, and it just didn't feel like something that our generation like really was going to have to do because it seemed like everybody already did it. You know, now we have unions and they're doing what unions should do. But then I got older and I was like, well, some unions are bad and they protect people who are not actually good at their job and prevent people who would be good at that job from getting in. And some unions don't exist because people our age are like, well, if there needed to be a union here, there would be because unions are all made already. But it seems like you are in the sweet spot of figuring out like this is something that organizing could really help. And it seems to be happening across all these new sort of industries that have been popping up over the past 10, 15, 20 years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's the wild west of labor organizing where like all these, cause it's not just me. Like there's people starting to unionize Starbucks and a bunch yeah. of, you know, Amazon and everybody and it's just like random people stepping up and going this 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 is bullshit and we need to do something about it mm-hmm. okay so you guys plan the strike for april 11th does the april 11th strike happen yes yeah okay yeah we we um going up to i think by the start of the strike i believe we had about twenty thousand, or maybe it was like a little under twenty thousand sellers that that's huge up. and yeah and then by the end of it, we were like at 29K, something like that. So it was it, wow. it was pretty big. 
Do you know what percentage that is of Etsy sellers? Uh, not much. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Etsy's uh, huge, but it's still a lot yeah, of sellers. Yeah. Etsy has like some like 7.2 million active sellers, something like that, wow. I believe. And wow, so, wow, wow. but like whenever you're a group of people just trying to reach people over the internet with no advertising budget whatsoever, and, and you've got 7.2 million people that don't know about what you're doing, it's like you can't really go by a percentage of anything because there's no way you've reached a, a decent percentage of those people. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's 7.2 million. That's just the live, laugh, love throw pillows. That's only, they only <laughs> sell that. There's a whole other. <laughs> I love that. Um, so what happens after the strike? The strike was always intended to just be our first action. Mm. I wanted to carry this forward and have it be basically a union for Etsy sellers. I, however, never learned about unions in school, like you guys mentioned. <laughs> and I didn't have the first foggiest clue how to try to turn this into a union. But I had a lot of people that had signed up to help by that point. So then it was like, okay, everybody who knows what a union actually is, let's figure out how to turn this into a union. Mm -hmm. Who were some of those people? Who were the... <laughs> the knowledgeable uniony people the first person to kind of help us with like the the turning into a union part was um trisha who um she's an experienced labor organizer up in canada and um then from then there were there were several other people we had like a committee of like three people that were kind of working together on it the last one to join the committee is the person who is still very very active in the guild today chiara yeah she it was the um, person to do most of the nitty gritty legalese type work of like writing the bylaws and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's like completely beyond me. I'm like 100% artist, 0% practicality, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, we feel you. <laughs> Although it sounds like you're doing pretty well. Um, okay. So uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much to discuss. Well, first of all, did Etsy respond to that initial strike? Not really. They they responded to the media. They issued a bunch of statements to the media. And I mean, we did everything possible to try to get them to respond to us. We reached out via email. We like hunted down the email addresses for like all these people on the board and all that and like tested them to make sure that they worked ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Sent out a letter, nice letter, you know, you know, inviting them to actually come to the table and talk to us. Then whenever they ignored that, we sent out, because so with the petition, we have the ability to email everyone that signed the petition. Mm -hmm. So whenever they ignored that first thing, we sent out an email to everybody that signed the petition and went, okay, they ignored our letter, so it's time for us to get harder to ignore. And we had everybody print up the letter and snail mail it into Etsy while decorating the envelopes as creative as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know, you, you can imagine there was like this pile of like, you know, fancy envelopes <laughs> sitting in Etsy's mailroom at some point. And they didn't, they didn't do anything to that either. Mm -hmm. It's always been just, you know, reply stuff where they talk to the media, where they, where they issue a statement to the media that they think is addressing our concerns. But if you actually read our concerns, it's not, they're not addressing them. Yeah. <laughs> so when was the Indie Sellers Guild officially formed? There's been so much work to do to get it going. And I, a lot of it was on a very, very small team. So it's been like our official launch date was September 5th. 
but like as far as like there were there was a date before that that you know we had a website up and going and we were working on trying to test you know can people register you know Mm -hmm. and september 5th of like this month right Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Wow. <laughs> that is so there were a lot of steps, though, to get to that point in which, you know, we, we had like, you know, semi-official yeah. things happening along the way. <laughs> yeah. Very exciting. And also very, things are happening right now. We're in real time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. What's the next step? What is the next action that you are looking to take? So we actually have an action that we're working on right now. Um, Mm. One of Etsy's most recent platform changes is that they have decided to require all U.S.-based sellers to connect our business bank accounts to a third party called Plaid in order to keep getting paid. Plaid has been sued for privacy violations and the privacy policy that we're required to agree to to keep our shops open basically says we can have your financial transaction history we can have your browser data your it's just like this list of everything and they're allowed to collect it and share it with partners if you agree to this privacy policy that is wild so, yeah we're, we're actually currently working on trying to fight back against that we've, we've got a petition going and i've got several um interviews lined up for stories specifically about that mm. <laughs> in the in the coming days i'm sorry briefly just to interject i, I think you all know and and our listeners know that i'm i'm not a crypto bro <laughs> and crypto and blockchain are have their problems but this is what it's for Small businesses and independent sellers should be able to transact money on the internet without 4,000 banks and bullshitters selling your data, taking a cut, being a middleman. That's if we did build crypto correctly, that's what this is about. And uh, uh, fuck, fuck that shit that you just <laughs> talked about. Thank you. Uh, I yield my time. <laughs> okay. As Lindsay mentioned, yeah, I also recall learning about unions, but it was like a thing of the past that used to happen. So what are your demands? What are the steps to be a legally recognized union? Well, the first step would be changing the law in the U.S. so that, you know, people who are contract, you know, legally referred to as like contractors are allowed to unionize because that actually doesn't, you know, that's actually not an option. Legally, mm, we are a nonprofit. <laughs> mm. But what we have done is we have designed a nonprofit that is functions exactly like a union. Everybody is elected, you know, it's fully a democratic organization. So it's like I, I say union in lowercase, meaning we are a union, but legally we're a nonprofit. Interesting. So what are what are the steps that you need to take? Like what are the end goals? And, and do you have any power since you are independent contractors and, and legally can't unionize? So the thing that we have noticed so far is that Etsy does cave, at least in part, to public pressure. There were, they made some changes to the Star Seller program only either four or six weeks after the strike that exactly matched what we were saying about why it sucked so much in all those media interviews. Basically, that has shown us that, you know, it's possible to get them to make changes in response to sellers speaking out. And the plan is continuing to put the pressure on Etsy to make changes. And the more people, you know, just like the general public understands what it's actually like for us on the platform, 
it's going to cause them to have to live up to their promises. You know, it's, it's there. That's, that's the choice that they face. Either live up to your promises or more and more people are going to know what you're doing to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So, so, so true. What's funny about our generation is that we are very into organizing, you know, like we're into organizing protests and we're into or- like Occupy Wall Street sort of thing. So I feel like we're not organizing in a way that's useful, really, our generation. We, we organize in a way that's good for attention and not good for action. And I feel like finally it's coming together to do both. So even though you can't form a union, you can you know, collectively work towards a common goal. And it does take more effort than if there were just people in the union set to do that. Yeah, what you need is you need like a, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that are doing that organizing for attention type thing that you talked about. But then just a few people in like the core group who are kind of helping to coordinate and, you know, keep track, basically organize all the other people who are organizing for attention. We, we alluded to this. We're living in a world where lots of technological things are setting us up for you're an independent contractor, you're an Uber driver, you're an Etsy seller, you're a gig worker, like, it's so great, you're liberated, you're free, except you don't have health insurance, and you have no legal protections. So like, any ideas or plans of like, if we gather all these folks together under one, like, internet workers, content creators, mm. you know, uh, YouTubers, podcasters have, yeah, if they're interesting, uh, it's making me want to do like a whole series, but there's also like TikTokers that are organizing yeah, as well. Exactly. Right. At this point, they're just asking for greater transparency, which is like, wow, sure. what a low bar. <laughs> Ooh, I did not know about the TikTokers organizing and I'm very close to joining it anyway. Um, uh, there's yeah. historical precedent for that too, because it's, and I, I'm going to get this wrong, but, but the point hopefully is useful, which is like, Oh I work for this job and I make whatever desks in a factory, but I'm part of the writer's guild because in 1957, we all gathered everyone together and said, you're part of 103 and we're all in it together. <laughs> like the, the truckers are, are part of the Teamsters, which is part of the theater. Wait, actually, you're right. Because, okay, okay, okay. Because technically I'm in the actors union, right? And we're not employees. We're... Yeah, exactly. It's so... a freelancer's union. So this there's precedent for all of this. And so you y'all need to get get together somehow, you know? <laughs> yeah. What are, what are the steps to be legally recognized? Because I feel like that's when Etsy will actually start Yeah, responding. a critical mass of something. So a traditional union is actually recognized by the employer that, you know, employs the people as far as... And I'm actually a bad one to ask the union questions to. So I'm like... I, I, I'm totally... Well, Christy, just... y'all just launched in September this month, but pretty soon you're going to be knowing the answers to these. We're just kickstarting you, mm-hmm. which is also a place that probably needs to unionize. I don't know. Um, what are the, the steps? Because, yeah, okay, we've nailed it down now. There's legal precedent. What you going to do? Let's work out your agenda live. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, so it's a lot of like the actually taking the steps to becoming a federally recognized union. There there are laws that need to be made that don't exist yet. Wait, wait, wait. What laws need to exist that don't yet? It was so there was there was something that happened where um, where Uber drivers were trying to unionize mm-hmm. and the um, the government basically ruled that they couldn't because they were subcontractors. 
And I'm pretty sure that that would, I don't know what we've been trying to figure out. What is the difference? I fear between... that all the tech money is just lobbying against this. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that would you're, not surprise you're me. Certainly <laughs> right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're trying to figure out what went wrong in the Uber case to maybe mm-hmm. circumvent mm-hmm. that. Okay. So what actions are next for the Indie Sellers Guild? And how can our listeners help? Yeah, so mostly we're just trying to spread the word that we exist because, you know, seven point something million people is a lot of people to try to reach, you know, over the Internet with no advertising budget. And pretty much, the, you know, the more people we have join us, the stronger we get and the better of a position we're in to actually make real changes. That's true. Wow. Um, Well, hopefully our listeners can help or do something or I don't know, maybe we have Etsy sellers that are uh, among our regular listeners. Um, So what are your major demands? If you could outline them for for Etsy, what would they be? Yes. So our first demand was, you know, originally canceled a fee increase. Now just kind of stop increasing our fees. It's happened. They've more than doubled in the last four years. So it's, it's kind of out of control. And the second demand is to um, remove resellers from the platform. What we mean by resellers is people who are selling items on Etsy that they did not design, did not make, and they're like just stuff they bought on like AliExpress and they're tricking people into thinking they're handmade. And Etsy needs to actually enforce their own terms. Mm. Um, Third demand is to um, when people get their shops either put on hold or shut down by AI, they need to have the ability to get it fixed with, you know, Etsy support or whatever. Fourth demand, end of the star seller program. That's the program that forces us to basically be on call every weekend if we care about our shops. And then um, the final demand is to let all sellers opt out of offsite ads. If we don't like it, we should be able to not participate and not be charged that mandatory 12% fee. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is crazy reasonable. You know what I mean? It's like you're not saying we need a we need a hundred and one percent cut of everything or not or else we're out of here. It's like, no, we just want to opt out of this bullshit. Like Yeah. uh, It's It's like hmm. we are providing each other with services. Etsy's making it seem like you have to use them, which you don't, but you understand, Hey, they are providing us a service and it is cool when something I make that relates to another product that a different seller makes, they get linked together, but outside ads, like you don't need to advertise like the Strat hotel in Las Vegas on my page. If I'm just selling, you know, homemade pumpkins, like that's not like (laughs) necessary. And to say that you don't want that seems reasonable because you're helping each other. Ultimately, Etsy's acting like that y'all all all need them in a way that if you're organized, you can make it clear that that is not actually the case. Where's the market pressure to leave Etsy? And by that, I mean, like for YouTube, there's only one place to put like long form digital video. Like it's the only game in town, but I observe that there's a world where you could put your dresses on Instagram and then push people to Shopify and then you could continue selling. And I know that but Etsy is valuable to you because people are searching for one thing and then they land on your shop. So like that's really important. But like, are people leaving the platform? Is that viable? Or is it like, oh God, without Etsy, this platform, we can't make the living, you know, we're stuck here kind of thing. It's for most people. It's a we're stuck here kind of a thing. 
Mm. It's basically if you leave, then you have to spend so long trying to figure out because it's like whenever you leave and you do the 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 you like say you're doing the Instagram to a Shopify thing, yeah, then yeah. you've got this Instagram algorithm that you're always trying to figure out, exactly. you know, and, and stay yeah, relevant in and whatnot. And that's it's true. it's all it's which giant tech platform do you want to be beholden to? That's pretty much our choice right now. Yeah, I know. That's mm. Matt talks about this all the time. I love it's like <laughs> you you could not make a living selling steampunk dresses in any other universe without these platforms. And yet these platforms are simultaneously screwing you and abusing you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing about Etsy is it's like I know that the old way Etsy grew by leaps and bounds they in really that did. time period between, you know, two because I was on Etsy since 2006. So from wow. 2006 to 2017, it was amazing. My shop grew by leaps and bounds. Etsy grew by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And it was like they were they were working on growth hand in hand with with yeah. all of our, you know, they, they were doing things that were good for us and good for them. But the thing is, it's possible for a platform to grow by taking more from its sellers, too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's what they've been doing for the last four years. And it's just it's got to stop. Yeah. Did they go public? They IPO'd. Is that right? Um, so they went public in 2015. Yeah. But um, from 2012 to 2017, they were actually a certified public benefit corporation. And it wasn't until the end of 2017 that there was kind of a corporate takeover. And that was when all these changes actually really started. That's what I'm what I'm alluding to is like, it does do some share. Are there some shareholders who are like, these profits are nice. But what if you had more profits? And they're like, well, we could squeeze the sellers. And they're like, great. Let us yeah. know how that goes. Yeah, that was that was actually exactly what happened. But there's a yeah. really interesting deep dive article on it. It was like people started buying up shares and then they got the CEO kicked out and got a new one put in. And it was just like that. That's when all this started happening. Man, we had nice things. We had a nice <laughs> thing going here. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, we live in this <sighs> weird world right now where well it's always been this way but like just because you can doesn't make it right (laughs) and i feel like people are being abused left and right and it's like becoming normalized in some way and it's nice to see these responses like the starbucks unionization is obviously the one that i think is getting the most press right now and the most talked about um but it's good to see people and amazon coming together and fighting back Mm. yeah 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 and amazon and those are like more traditional union Mm -hmm. spaces but i think it's interesting for places where people are contracted, you know, like I actually think that (laughs) this is going to show my extreme nineties kid self, but the, (laughs) the way that the Etsy sellers and the TikTokers are organizing is more like the, the New York city paper boys from newsies. I think that that is much more related because it's a lot of separate people who were like basically kind of competing with each other, but also because they were competing with each other, the overarching entity that you needed them to even sell their merchandise was taking advantage of all of them, yes. right? That, that analogy is, is exactly right. Um, because the unions as we know them were formulated for factory workers to to have leverage over an, a single employer. And this, we're talking about lots of freelancers and small businesses against an overarching, you know, it's not, a, they're not your employer. Etsy is not your employer. And that's yeah. a new frontier. But there's this big attitude of like, well, you should be grateful yeah, because right. if it weren't for us, you wouldn't exactly. exist at all. And it's like, but that doesn't mean you should be able to abuse people. Mm-hmm. Etsy has this attitude of, you know, you wouldn't be able to have your shops without us. But 
the truth is that Etsy wouldn't exist without That's us. True exactly. too. That's true. That's true. Exactly. From the CEO, they go there to connect with us. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the ultimate factories don't run without labor, but labor doesn't get a paycheck without fact. Like that's the eternal <laughs> Marxist struggle. Conundrum. If we're going to go all the way there. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. friends, um, check out IndieSellersGuild.org. It'll also be in the show notes. And Christy, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you also so close to the formation of the guild and we're excited to see where it goes and we hope to be reading in the news i mean realistically in a year or two maybe i don't know yeah. <laughs> i think it'll be a while but you know that that you guys have had success with your demands awesome yeah thank you so much yeah check out rlin.com so <laughs> you can totally bypass etsy <laughs> oh get yourself some bell bottom garter things <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I am still obsessed with Christy's Etsy. I mean, Christy's like total website. And I think that Allie, you and I should get these costumes ASAP so we can wear them for Halloween season. Um, I think we should just wear them any normal day of the week, you know? Um, Indeed. Tuesdays Indeed. sound great. You know, I am It's our Tuesday look. It's our Tuesday. Yeah. On Tuesdays, we wear a Victorian garb. Garter belts. <laughs> this was very interesting to me. <laughs> you know, I uh, we're living in the Wild West and some cowboys are making moves and um, it's good. <laughs> it's going to be good for everyone once this sort of gets figured out and settled in. And I think it'll set precedence for future creative like entrepreneurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm definitely uh, feeling, feeling this one. So, uh, I'm curious if we have any listeners who are Etsy sellers. First mm-hmm. of all, let us know what do you sell. Indeed. And uh, check out the Indie Sellers Guild. You know, I feel, and it's interesting because I feel like, how could you not, as a seller, be frustrated about this? So, it's really just about getting the word out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine uh, any sellers agreed. like, I love when they randomly take more of a cut than I was expecting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Love when I make less money. Nobody's into that. Oh, speaking of listeners. Oh shit! <gasps> Ooh, fun. We have an email from Robert. Robert oh. says, "Hi, Robert. Jaron Lanier, Lanier. I'm going to look up how to pronounce that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Would be a great catch for follow up on VR. He is a very interesting speaker, brilliant, and on top of that, comes off as a nice guy." Uh, for background, Robert is saying, see his book, Dawn of the New Everything Encounters with Reality and Virtual Reality, and the podcast episode, uh, John, uh, Jaron Lanier, Father of Virtual Reality. Uh, this is Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott. So uh, Robert is linking some uh, some details here. But this gentleman is like, seems to be credited, I was Wikipediaing earlier, uh, with, you know, basically not you no one single-handedly created vr but he was at atari and at the forefront of this technology uh in the early days and i think modern vr owes a debt to this particular person and 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 people who are around him at the time so and he seems like a very active uh tech uh, internet guy so uh robert we thank you for the email and uh perhaps we will look into this this sounds like a fun idea if we want to continue looking at vr history i guess yeah i just um Googled Jaron Lanier and he looks like if who's that rapper 
who's got like tattoos on his face. Yes. Uh, uh, that Post doesn't Malone. narrow it down. Post Malone. No, sure, it sure um, does. Ali, I'd just like to say that Matt got it with just that clue. That's true. So you're welcome. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, he looks like Post Malone's dad. It's very cute. That That's what he's giving me. Every time I see Post Malone, I'm like, he seems like a lovely gentleman, but the face tattoos. I mean, truly. As opposed to when I see like yeah. Bad Bunny or... Takeshi 69. I'm like, you are already hard to look at. And then you put <laughs> tattoos on your face. Yikes. Honestly, <laughs> tattoos from the neck up are a real statement that I can't, you know, I can't. If you don't have the eyebrow line to sustain it, you're going to look wild. You're going to look wild no matter what. Ne- neck up is, I heard someone <laughs> call them the job stoppers, which was. <laughs> I thought pretty good, but like it was weird when I when Lindsay came to New York and we finally met in person, and she had face tattoos of Deep Space Nine characters like on both cheeks, and I was like, I know, but with Lindsay, it's like kind of adorable, you know. This isn't what I expected. <laughs> I have considered like getting a small tattoo behind my ear because then okay. I would never cute. have to see That's it. That's respectable, yeah. And it's also kind of cute, you know? Yeah, no, th- those are kind of cute. I'm totally fine with behind the ear. I'm also fine with, I guess, technically it's a part of your neck, but like right under the hairline. Those can be cute for ladies, mm-hmm. I think. Um, anyway, if you're an Etsy seller, you should um, let us know. You can follow me anywhere on social media, including Venmo, at Allie underscore Goldie but mostly social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am all over the socials at The Lindsay Life, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and not on Venmo, but on the Cash App, apparently, which I never use. Okay. <laughs> Don't be shy about sending an email, too, uh, as Robert did, 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can influence what we do. You know, we're always looking for ideas and guests and whatever. So uh, we may hear Robert's suggestion on a future episode. So thanks for writing in. I second these thoughts. <laughs> All right. You can also please visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. No amount is too small. And at the $10 level, we read your name on air in whatever voice we feel like doing that day. <laughs> Oh, other perks are we leave you a personalized voice memo and uh, at the $25 level, we will send you a video once a quarter. You can call us. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. Also pop into our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. Buy from artisans directly and tell Etsy to not be a dick. Hasta la pasta. We love your faces. Bye. (laughs) Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg. Then transcribed and meticulously crocheted onto a throw pillow, I mean produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.